I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good? You know, I'm just spending a lot of time thinking about strange variables and things. Like, you know what I've been thinking a lot about? Like What, like side equals uh, cosine plus tangent? (laughs) No, not like that like more like imagine if like Wayne Gretzky like was just the only player on a team like how many goals would he have scored if he was just the only person why are you, you know, thinking like, about that because man it's getting weird you know like I, I I started a I started a new job but I'm still like in this quarantine mentality of like going a little bit insane. So like, you know, I think about things like, you know, would Michael Jordan have been a good hockey player? I don't no, know. Cause he couldn't even play baseball. Yeah. He couldn't play baseball. He was on the white Sox, right? When he like originally went to the he was on, like, uh, their farm team or something. But like, eh, you know, I wonder these things like, you know, what's you still know, crazy like, to me is that like Tim Tebow still kicking it. Like he's still like, on like the the Mets roster, like even though he's in like their triple A affiliate, like yeah. he's still doing the baseball thing. And like and he's gotta be getting, you know, early thirties, I'm assuming at this point, or late late twenties yeah. at least. Tim Tebow, man, what a you know, what a story with that guy. He's uh he's done so much in like the sports industry. I mean, I wonder if he could play hockey. He probably can. He I mean like could. he's just you know He's just Tim Tebow, you know, he loves God and loves sports, you know, good for him. Yeah, and you know, what's crazy is, like, he has such a strong following that, like, when the, I guess they're, like, the Syracuse team now, right? Is that who the AAA Mets affiliate is, or is it Binghamton? I think it's Binghamton. Okay. I think. Yeah, well, either way, like, wherever (laughs) they go on the road, they, like, sell out because of Tim Tebow's, like, crazy religious following you know tebow is um you know i've heard like one or two stories about like tebow being like a dick sometimes but like for the most part all i see about him is just you know all the good things he does and but you know i I guess like you know even if you are like a really really nice guy like you probably have your mornings especially as a celebrity where like you didn't get a good night's sleep you know like you you know you your eggs weren't cooked right in the morning and you know like you're running into someone and someone's like oh tim tebow like you know sign this broncos jersey and you're like come on man like just leave me leave me alone so i get it you know but uh everything i hear about tim tebow is um you know he's good people but you know i still i still wonder you know i wonder if if tim tebow you know if he put on some skates and we gave him a stick like you know what what would he do you know so these are the kind of quarantine thoughts that I have that drive me insane in the night. You know, trying to think about who could be a good hockey player. You know, thinking about weird stuff like, you know, if Wayne Gretzky and like Mario Lemieux like somehow like had a kid, like what would he be like? You know, it's crazy shit. <laughs> it's dude, it's insane to me right now. It's just insanity. Well, people are going a little stir crazy, so. um a friend of the pod, Joe Acuti from Ice Nine Kills, yesterday did a, a 24-hour 
live stream on Instagram. Like that's insane. Yeah. So he he just like secluded himself on his his balcony, like his little balcony in L.A., and just recorded with a bunch of his friends and, and just was trying to do something, you know, that occupied some of his time and was a little different. And I respect that because I like was going stir crazy a few weeks ago. And like, instead of like watching a movie inside, I set up all my like projector equipment and all of that and watched Ace Ventura when nature calls outside. Like <laughs> I just, needed something different and yeah and that worked yeah. man like watching a movie outside was just something that like made me feel like i had some sort of like summer still yeah and uh you know apparently you know across the country they're sort of setting up new makeshift drive-in theaters so people can like enjoy movies uh, you know, because that's a that's an industry that that really took a humongous hit. You know, uh, have you ever been to one? Uh, a drive-through movie? No, I haven't. I oh, haven't. dude, they're awesome. So it's funny, actually. Caitlin's hometown in Albany has mm-hmm. a drive-in theater still. Oh, really? Yeah, and like I remember a few years ago, they were making the switch over like to HD and like only digital projectors that are like yeah. close to like a million dollars, like super expensive. I believe that. And, and the, like, the, the town rallied behind them and like did like a GoFundMe or whatever to get the money so that they could make the oh, switch wow. over to, you know, having the, the new technology. I think that's such a cool idea. And uh, I think it's, um, you know, it's something that is going to that's really going to help people, um, you know, when they're going stir crazy, you know, being able to socially distance, stay in your car but still be able to enjoy a new movie. I mean, it helps the industry too, because obviously, you know, the, the film industry has been taking a huge hit since movie theaters have been, you know, all but closed for the past two, two and a half months. You know, a lot of film productions have been shutting down. A lot of things have been getting delayed. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, but I've, uh, I've never been to a, a drive through movie. I, I definitely would, would love to go. Um, it just I makes like the, it makes you feel like you are like back when things were a little simpler. Yeah, where... and I, I I like the fact that like you know, the like the multi the, the multimedia industry in general is just trying to do kind of new cutting edge things. You know, I, I we've talked about it a bunch on the pod before, but you know, lots of artists are popping up and doing they're doing live streams. They're doing you know. Um, you know, they're setting up, you know, Patreon or Patreon accounts and, you know, they're doing, you know, full, full sets, you know, full band sets all in different homes. Um, you know, Goldfinger, you know, great band Goldfinger, you know, they've been popping up videos on YouTube of them playing full songs all in different, you know, homes and, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, four year strong has been putting up, uh, you know, like playthrough videos. I think it's such a cool thing to keep people engaged and interested, especially in a time where, um, you know, when you got nothing to do, you, you your thoughts kind of run a little crazy. So it's good to know that, you know, the, the music industry and the movie industry are trying to keep people grounded and sane. And, you know, without that, who knows? So, you know, it's uh, definitely a, a big thing we can be thankful for. For sure. Yeah. I, I actually had the, the honor of being like one of the hour segments on Joe's live stream. And it was just, Cool. It was just so nice to be able to 
go outside. So like I, I decided to go out on the patio too and just, you know, get some fresh air and talk some hockey, even though there really hasn't been much news in the past week or so. I know like the NHL has like announced a few like emergency um like players association meetings where they're trying to figure out what they can do, like what the next step would be. And as of now, it's like that idea of the 24 team playoff is still um, in the air. So we'll see if that happens. I I still would love to see that. Um, But it's just getting more and more grim as we're like now in the middle of May and there still hasn't been an announcement yet. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tenuous thing. You know, obviously both you and I, you know, would love to see hockey back and I'm sure all of our listeners would. And a lot of people around, uh, you know, the country, you know, here in, uh, in Canada would love to see it come back. And we hope that it will, uh, you know, and if it doesn't, you know, obviously we'll have the opportunity for hockey to come back when things are safe to do so. And I'm sure we will get a, a memorable season out of it, but, uh, not to, um, to be long in the tooth, as they say, you know, we've been BSing for a while. We've got a super great interview, uh, coming up for you. Uh, sweet dual vote Canada. Uh, super cool to actually uh, get a hockey talk about, uh, um, you know, their, their band who's on Mutant League Records and is, you know, starting to, to, to climb the ranks, as they say, you know, uh, getting the opportunity to go out there and play some, some cool shows, support some bigger bands and, uh, you know, really putting out some great music. So uh, we had a blast chatting with, uh, with Nick and, uh, you know, Having said that, we'll go right into our interview with Nick Pang from uh, Chief State, and uh, we hope you guys dig it. Catch you on the other side. All right, enjoy. How are you guys doing? I'm super excited. Our first Vancouver Canucks fan coming from the beautiful West Coast. Uh, hopefully it's not raining today. I know that 
the weather in, in, in the Pacific Northwest could be a little sketchy at times. Yeah, definitely raining, but uh, <laughs> nothing new. And uh, that's how we like it. I mean, that's actually not how we like it. I'm, I'm just fronting, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, it was actually pretty nice the last couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, a little bit of rain doesn't hurt. Perfect. So I guess let's just hop right into some hockey talk. You guys were the Canucks pretty much in the same exact position as the New York Islanders when the season came to a halt. And a lot of experts were predicting that Vancouver could be like one of those sleeper teams that could, you know, go on a a playoff run, especially with like all the young superstars that you guys have. Yeah. So like, how were you feeling about the season? Did you think you were going to get like into that wild card spot and like make the playoffs? Yeah, actually, uh, I kind of felt like from the beginning of the season that uh, we were going to make it into the playoffs. Like, I think that was kind of just the the feeling around town. Usually, I don't know, Canucks fans are, uh, we're an interesting breed. I think, uh, you know, no championships, no cups, uh, just a couple president's trophies and a a few few decent runs over the years. (laughs) But uh, we've certainly experienced our fair share of heartbreak that has made us extremely, extremely cynical. So, you know, the last kind of four years we've come out of, uh, you know, just been rebuilding and finishing, you know, last and no lottery picks also through that entire time. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a, a challenging couple, couple of years. So this year, I think the, the feeling around town, everyone was, uh, you know, pretty excited. We got off to a pretty hot start and then it kind of fizzled out through, uh, December and January and some injuries here and there. But, uh, I think as of now, um, we would be in a wild card by point percentage, but not by actual points, just because uh, a couple teams have uh, some games in hand. So, yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Now, it, it's safe to say that you guys have also a uh, you. You would assume he would win the Calder if if things continued with Quinn Hughes, like that yeah. absolute like absolute stud. Not looks wise because he he kind of looks like a little bit of a rat face, but I would say <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would definitely say that he is like a, a, a you know you guys just have so many young studs on your team and like having a solid defenseman like him, I, I would definitely take him on my team in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's been pretty mind blowing to be honest. Just uh, you know, I mean, I've been following you know Canucks hockey kind of on and off since you know I was probably you know five, six years old, right? But um, kind of Hughes and, and Pedersen have been like just a, a breath of fresh air, just, you know, watching them come in and they're young and they just kind of dominate. And, you know, I think Hughes came in for like four or five games at the end of last season and he just pulled this stupid move on uh, on a defender in LA. He just like rushed behind the net, banked it to himself and like pretty much almost scored on, on a play. He ended up getting an assist on that, but just like watching a kid come in at like, you know, 18, 19 years old and absolutely take over has been, has been nuts. Yeah. I, I think if he doesn't win the call, it'll be a, it'll be a shame. Granted, like Makar is definitely going to be giving him a run for his money. Uh, but I don't know, uh, in my opinion, completely biased. Uh, Hughes hasn't had uh, Nathan McKinnon to play with. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. And Tom, he's from Orlando, Florida. Yeah, I was just gonna say, man, it's uh, it's not a not a huge hockey community, man. I think but. he was born there, but all the kind of stuff I'm seeing says he was uh, 
raised in like Toronto and like Michigan and kind of probably it probably makes sense I mean like I I can't imagine you know like you know there's maybe maybe there's like I mean you've got the the solar bears that are an ECHL team that that play out of Orlando but uh like for the most part in terms of like camps and development and stuff it's very very minute uh down here but having said that though I mean the development around the country is kind of is kind of staggering we uh we talked to um uh, oh man i'm forgetting his name uh the um the, the lead vocalist of uh, of good riddance um uh, help me out with his name mikey because uh, russ I'm rankin have... russ rankin yeah and he was uh he's a scout out, out you know out in the west coast actually for the whl and he was talking about oh, no way yeah it, it's kind of crazy so he was talking about how like he has a tremendous sense of pride in, you know, developing, you know, kids out there because, you know, to be honest, I mean, it's like, you know, a a lot of what America thinks of when they think of hockey is development near the border. So you're, you're looking at, you know, uh, Maine and Minnesota and, you know, everything up, up in the North and stuff. And like, you're not thinking about, you know, Cali and like Arizona and stuff. So, you know, anytime a, you know, kid comes, comes guns blazing out of there, um, it's a sight to, to be seen. And I guess the same is, you know, is true with, you know, places like Florida and, and Texas, you know, where like most of the development is all, you know, NFL or, or NBA development, you know, because of, you know, the, um, you know, the, the SEC and all that kind of stuff. And like the big, you know, the college football contingency and all that stuff. But uh, it's super cool to even know that, like, you know, even if he was born there and then just shipped up to Toronto, I guess we could I, I could take credit for it. I'm, I'm cool doing that. I mean, yeah, they counted as uh, he's from Florida, so <laughs> yeah, right. I guess for all intents and purposes. So, uh, but so obviously, I you know I'm not sure exactly how 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 old you are, but were you uh, um, were you alive for you know the '94? I was not alive for the '94. Ah, uh, young. Uh, okay. I have yeah, I'm uh, I'm 22, so I was born in '97. Okay. Uh, so I was around for 2011 though. Uh, sure. which was uh, just as painful, if not probably more, by accounts uh, of my dad. So. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's funny, man. I have a, I have memories of, of 94, you know, being um, obviously being from New York and having, you know, a lot, a lot of Ranger fans. Um, one memory that specifically stuck out to me was uh, my first grade teacher. I don't think I've ever even told this story to Mikey, but it's kind of a ridiculous story. So my first grade teacher uh, so I was seven years old or, or like six years old or whenever this time, I think seven years old. Um, my first grade teacher, uh, it was just during like the, the cup run was giving Italian ices out to like the class. Right. And essentially she, she said like to this class of first graders, like, Oh, like only Ranger fans can have this Italian ice. <laughs> and, um, and sure as shit, man, defiant little seven year old asshole me. I was like, no, I'm an Islander fan, and I did not get an Italian ice. So, so quick so. question. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Islanders, Long Island, you know, Rangers, Manhattan. What differentiates, like, whether or not you're you're a Rangers fan or, or an Islanders fan? Like, like, is it just that's kind of you're born into that's tough, your family? That's that's how it's passed down, or is it the the lines so, are kind of all over the place? I will I will give you my interpretation of it and i guess mikey will give his mikey's will probably be a little bit more astute mine is is specifically emotional um if you're the kind of person who likes to get uh like punched in the face and then kicked in the knee and then also kicked in the throat 
uh, you're going to be an Islander fan. You're going to, you're just going to want that continual like pain and suffering. Um, I, but <laughs> as silly as that sounds, uh, really, I think the big thing is, uh, so the Rangers, of course, they they were one of the big six. They've been around forever. Yeah, you bet. Um, and, and, you know, I, and the Islanders have been around, you know, for, for a long time too. But I think um, a lot of it in New York comes from how you're brought up really from like your, your folks, um, you know, like if you came up in a family who, uh, you know, were, were Ranger fans, even if you lived on Long Island, you'll probably be a Ranger fan. And uh, I think Long Islanders do have a um, a real heart in in obviously not just because they're called the Islanders, but, you know, that dynasty that they had was really important to so many Long Islanders because it really was like, you know, an underdog story turned, you know, powerhouse. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. So I think. Um, some of it is placement, but I think some of it is just like, you know, how your pops grew up or your grandpa grew up. And like when you were old enough to, you know, to sit in front of a TV, it was either, you know, do I like blue and orange or do I like blue and red? And then you just kind of kind of took it from there. But I don't know what your perspective is, Mikey. That's kind of where, where I sit on it. So I, I definitely think that there's some regions that are more like Rangers or more Islanders. So like it, it definitely like Westchester, like I, I think Westchester and Manhattan are more like Rangers territory. Okay. And then like Long Island, you know, especially closer, like Nassau County, like the towns that are close to the Coliseum, mm -hmm. you're going to find like your diehard Islander fan base. And then like Eastern Long Island could be a, to a toss up. But then I also think it does come down to like the, the family you were brought up in and like the, the, kind of the joke on, on in New York is like you're a Mets, Jets, Islanders fan or Yankees, Giants and uh Rangers fan. Like yeah. that's kind of how families choose to raise their kids, I guess. Gosh, yeah, it seems like uh Islanders fans and Canucks fans have a good amount in common with the uh <laughs> enjoying painful experiences. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, it's a, it, it really is uh, a wild thing and I mean it's but I, I think that that makes it all all the more sweet when, you know, uh, the Islanders or, or, or the Mets. And I mean, like I, I can say I'm an Islanders and a Mets fan. And I mean, the same is true with the Mets, too. I mean, you know, the Mets, it's just perennial heartbreak. But um, <laughs> it's just it's so much sweeter, though, when you finally get, um, you know, an opportunity to be great. And I mean, the closest, you know, I could say is obviously, you know, the Mets, um, you know, making it to the to the World Series, you know, eventually getting beaten by the Royals. but. You know, I have hope once hockey comes back that, you know, the Islanders are going to be a contender. I think they have the capability to, you know, behind trots. And, and I think um, there's going to be hope for us yet. Uh, and but that's just going to make it so much better. And I think that, man, I, like as, as an Islander fan, it's just you've got so much more of a return on your emotional investment than Ranger fans do. But I mean, you know. A Ranger fans listening to this will light me up and be like, "Bro, you know, you know what you're talking about," and 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 I get it, but it's just like the Islanders have been so bad for so long that you know when they're finally coming up, it's just like, "Oh, this is there's nothing better than this," you know. So I think you um, you get a little bit of that, you know, kind of built up in your body, and you you just kind of roll with it. Uh, you know, that's just kind of how I look at it. But you know, everyone's got their own perspective for sure. Yeah, no, I can definitely can definitely relate with that for sure. <laughs> now, Nick, we, we already kind of talked about how 
the Canucks had like their four year rebuild and like, you know, obviously coming off like the Sedine brothers, like yet obviously you lose two superstars like that. Like, yeah, you're going to have to do some kind of rebuild. And then like, you know, obviously you had those, those, you know, deep playoff runs and it just seemed like you always came up short and like Luongo like fell apart in the playoffs. And then you're at this point where you have to rebuild and I'm looking at like your cap friendly right now. Oof. And not it, a pretty picture. It's not awful though. Like I honestly I think it looks better than the Islanders do. Like y- yes that Tyler Myers looks like fucking awful. Like that is so bad. Like I, 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 I don't know how That's not bad for the moment. I think it'll come back to bite it and uh kind of, you know, talk to me in 3 4 years. We'll we'll see how that goes, but uh this season he's he's he's, he's been worth his money, I'd say. He's, you know, been pretty pretty good. Yeah, but he's 34. Oh, no, he's 30. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong. Yeah, so when the contract expires, it's uh, definitely not going to be a, a good good time. But, you know, there's just a lot of dead money in the in the bottom uh, bottom six and uh, in the kind of bottom pairings of, of defense. Like, I think there's like four mil tied up in Sutter. There's six tied up in Erickson, three tied up in Beagle and Roussel. Like, just a lot of... Uh, a lot of overpaid veterans I think you're seeing, whereas, you know, you'll have Pedersen and Hughes, not next season, but the season after, they'll be needing their extensions. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I feel like next year is that window, man. Like what when you still have Peterson and and uh, and Hughes on their entry level deals, like trying to get like one or two more pieces, like while you still can afford them to just yeah. like, make a, a deep run. Like that's when you the window is so small in the NHL. like. Cause it really is like Hughes is going to want to get paid, man. Like be, being a defenseman that puts up like 50, 60 points. Like if he played a full season. Yeah. Well, and those two as well, like, I mean, I know Pedersen's kind of like a taller guy, but uh, obviously Hughes is kind of smaller and they, they take a lot of shit. Like they are just getting, you know, cheap shot at almost every opportunity. I mean, fair enough. That's just kind of how she goes, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that ends up uh, settling out. Now, with that Seattle expansion draft, is there someone on the on the roster that you would be like, please, please, please take him? Louis Erickson, hundred percent, without a doubt. Yeah, that see. definitely won't happen because uh, I don't think he's. I mean, they signed him to like a six million dollar contract after he came off of a really good season in Boston. Um, and then slotted him in with the Sedins. And uh, for context, if you're unaware, his first game in a Canucks uniform, he scored a known goal. Oh. <laughs> From like 200 feet down the ice. Like, yeah, you can like look up on YouTube uh, when you get the chance, Louis Erickson own goal. And it's like, it was a delayed penalty. So uh, obviously goaltender skating to the bench. He's under pressure from a four checker. Uh, and he just hooks it back into his own net. And it was just that just kind of set the stage for what's been a, an entirely disappointing uh, <laughs> couple of years to say the least. Yeah. But, you know, picking up to Foley at the deadline, like, you know, I, I, I'm kind of jealous, man. I am. Like, I know that, that was a good steal for sure. Yeah. I, I think you guys are, are in good shape, man. Like hopefully the, the season starts back up. I, I know that some rumors have, come out that you know training camps can be opening a lot sooner than we thought and you know i just hope everything goes smooth and we can have some form of hockey at least because 
we're all missing it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm on board with that, especially playoff hockey like this time of year. That's kind of what you look forward to, especially if uh, I'm sure we're all in the same boat, you know, kind of team right on the fringe there. Will they make it? Won't they make it? You know, so just that excitement leading up in uh, March and April. And then, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, man. Nice. So I guess let's transition into a little little music talk. So. Um, you know, we, we mentioned how uh, the Canucks are a young and up-and-coming team right now, but so is the band that you guys are in. And Chief State is like a, a newer band on my radar and absolutely like in my wheelhouse, like have been on my heavy rotation. And, you know, your debut full length is is killing it. You guys are getting like 50,000 monthly streams on Spotify. So like things are looking up for you guys. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know if like this release classifies as a full length or if it's an EP. It's seven songs, I guess, and so it's definitely a so longer. It's in EP. that in between. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird, uh, weird, weird uh, in between. But yeah, no, it's it's been great. You know, it came out uh, end of last month, March twenty seventh, I believe. And uh, yeah, no, we've been just getting amazing feedback from it, and uh, it's nice to have that out in the world. We we recorded it like last summer, so. Uh, yeah, just been sitting on all of these for for quite a while, and uh, seeing how she goes. Now, now what? Um, oh, go ahead. I, now I know you guys have been uh, you guys are working on uh, with Mutant League on this, and we uh, uh, had a chance to uh, talk with uh, some of the guys at Belmont who were also working with with Mutant League. So, uh, um, is this? Uh, for, forgive my my ignorance in this, but it's like I guess is this like your first experience with like working with uh, like a like an independent label like this? Yeah, you bet. You bet. We uh, we released a four song EP in 2018 called uh, Nothing More Than This. And that was our first uh, release on Mutant League. Um, And yeah, so this is our second release. Um, And yeah, kind of first experience for any of us really working with uh, a third party, if you will, uh, just on release. You know, yeah, we've all been in bands before, but uh, it's just kind of been like, you know, record your own. I mean, yeah. Go record yeah. your own record and, and put it out yourself, right? Sure. So I guess for, uh, you know, for, for any listeners that might have just, uh, and I mean, I, I do personally myself, so I'm just going to go ahead and ask it, but, you know, so what is the process like, uh, you know, when you're, even with like a smaller label like this, what is the process like going from, you know, not having any representation whatsoever and, and really going out and doing everything yourself to now having someone that, you know, quote unquote, has your back. So like, are you, you know, for, let's just say, um, for for tough love itself you know so that process like did you guys um have to go out and and like you know find your own time and find your own producers and all that stuff or, or were they really helpful in that process uh so with that um we definitely had to do you know, all that ourselves still and granted i think okay. we, we wanted to as well um okay cool uh, in my opinion, at least, uh, you, you definitely want to be really selective about who you're kind of trusting to see through your, your vision with that, right? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So we went back to the same guy uh, that we recorded nothing more than this with. Uh, his name's Tim Kreviston. He's a local guy in Vancouver. He's worked with uh, loads of cool bands. I think he just wrapped up a Misery Signals record a couple couple months ago. So, nice. you know, he's, uh, you know, he does great work, great friend of ours. And, uh, yeah, the, the cool thing with Eaton League is... Um, it almost feels like uh, Nate. He's the the owner. He he's really kind of like our biggest fan. It feels like, like uh, you know, we we kind of 
after releasing nothing more than this kind of got to talking a little little bit after and we're just kind of deciding okay like do we want a full length do we think an ep is better and and we kind of had decided that an ep would probably be or rather a longer ep uh, would kind of be the just the best route for us as a band you know i think um in the streaming world it's uh uh, I think a bigger risk to release a full length, um, especially if you don't really necessarily have that established audience. Like, you know, we're, we're up at 50,000 monthly listeners this month, but yeah. that's not always the norm, right? That's going to obviously hit, uh, hit a peak right after release and it'll probably valley out in six months. Right. So, uh, it's kind of a, a matter of just keep, keeping everyone's attention going. So we, we kind of opted for going for a, a little bit of a more concise package um and he was cool with that uh we recorded the songs sent them off and uh here we are sweet um now I, I guess as far as um you know like vancouver itself is concerned i'm just trying to like rack my brain just to think about some like other kind of like you know pop punk bands in that vein i guess the only one i can really think of is is, is dagger mouth yeah um, dagger mouth uh those guys are local legends here uh, <laughs> yeah this is uh living with lions as well uh, oh, living with lions! Uh, yeah, I forgot about them. They're awesome. After. Yeah, yeah. More so recently, what is, there is a yeah. youth fountain that came out. Um, yeah. So, like the, I guess, like the local, like Vancouver scene, and I mean, I, I guess it's kind of tough to say, like, can you compare it to uh, someplace else? But like, I know you've kind of been around, you know, on tours. You said you had done East Coast and all that kind of stuff. But like from the touring you've done, like, how would you say that, like? vancouver's like core scene uh differs or is it a lot the same or is it does it have more depth than some of the other places you've been do you have like enough sample size to kind of make that comparison yeah i'd say vancouver's it's a really small uh we have a pretty small scene at least for for kind of pop punk um the kind of hardcore has their their scene and there's a also pretty thriving uh indie scene that's uh you know pretty pretty large actually but in terms of kind of like pop punk uh at least kind of in our wheelhouse it, it's definitely uh a more compact uh size than you would see in, in other cities i know like you go through a city like chicago and there's just so many bands that have just yeah. come out especially in the last you know couple of years or like so many bands are coming out of like ohio and even like compared to like toronto um another canadian city just so many great bands that are that are coming out of toronto and i think it's just because there's just that many more bands that are doing it you know what i mean kind of law of averages almost but uh yeah yeah. now nick um you guys decided to still release your ep or full length whatever you want to call it at this point in the middle of a pandemic so what was that like for you guys I mean, in all fairness, the pandemic kind of snuck up on us. <laughs> We'd planned to release uh, release it. I mean, I want to say everything would have been finalized kind of in November or December, right? So um, it was interesting. I actually think it kind of worked a little bit to our benefit as well, just because, um, you know, everyone's kind of bored at home. What are you going to do, right? Doesn't really doesn't really matter if you want to throw on 20 minutes of some music and just give it a listen. I, I know I'm personally finding a lot more time to listen to to some bands and artists that I wouldn't have normally done in kind of my normal day-to-day and the hustle and bustle of everything. So um, it's it's definitely been good. I think we're, we're getting a lot more online engagement than I've probably ever seen as well, um, whether it just be like people kind of reacting to receiving their merch orders or, um, you know, 
just like kind of dailies of, of people tagging us and like that they're streaming and stuff like that. So uh, I actually think it's it's been a good thing. Obviously, um, on the flip side, you'll see that, you know, we're not able to get out in the world and tour and promote and all that. And that's kind of where I think the bulk of our um, our growth will, will end up coming from is kind of, you know, interacting with people face to face. But I mean, who knows when that'll kind of be back to normal. So. So were you guys on like a, a spring tour that you had to come back home for? No, we fortunately were not in the middle of anything. We were actually kind of just in the middle of uh, planning everything. And I think we had a, a, a pretty decent offer. We just didn't uh, obviously didn't end up finalizing for the summer um, just because of uh, all this stuff going on. So that, now I, I guess you guys are kind of in a good situation where you can like you said, build up that online traction and, and get like people excited and, and spend more time planning like that perfect tour to like just launch you guys back out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of how all this shakes out. I think, you know, before we were and I mean, still now, I, I think kind of the, the U.S. is definitely where we want to be focusing on. That being said, uh I mean, the news reports are looking a little, uh, little grim, especially out there in New York. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how how long things go on for and how that shakes out. Oh yeah, it it, it definitely it's gonna it's gonna be a while. But you know, once music is is safe again and it's okay to go to shows, like people are gonna come out. Like people that are even older who like might not have gone to a show will probably go now because like they just miss it and miss being able to go out and do things so i definitely think that there's going to be a spike in people going out and doing things once it's safe to yeah man i hope so it's it's crazy how uh just stuff like that i think you take for granted like just having the choice to go out and do stuff right yeah absolutely i mean it you know and and i think that's the other thing that's going to be very interesting to see so once, um, you know, a lot of the sanctions are lifted and life can start getting back to quote unquote normal. And I use air quotes for that because is it ever really going to be the way that it was? Probably not, you know, as much as people might try. But I think live entertainment in general is going to be something that um, a lot of people are going to change their perspective on. Because, you know, before this you know, pandemic happened, personally... Like, granted, I'm older now, so now, like, I'm kind of one of those guys that whenever I go to shows, like, I just hang back at the bar because I'm a grumpy 33-year-old and I can't be bothered (laughs) with these 20-somethings jumping around, you maniacs, with my grandpa cane and stuff. But it's, like, really what I think about, though, is, like, the perspective of people now because, you know, back when I was younger, like, I had no problem, like, cramming myself into, like, a sold-out show and sweating all over people and getting sweat on and, you know, some guy sneezes on you and you're like, oh, that's gross. Yeah, party, you know, let's let's yeah, crowd surf. Sure. But like now you've got this like really weird thing where like, are people going to be apprehensive about putting themselves in a situation that could be like that? Are venues going to, you know, get smart to this and, you know, just be like, OK, well, normally, you know, our, our cap here is fifteen hundred, you know maybe we'll only allow promoters to sell, you know, 50% capacity for the, for the foreseeable future. And how is that going to change the ethos of shows? And how is that just going to change the way people, um, you know, kind of, kind of see a performance 
So like those are the kind of things I'm I'm sort of wondering about. I don't know if you have any kind of perspective you'd like to share on that, on how you think this should. I mean, obviously, the disclaimer is none of us are doctors or uh, professionals or anything like that. But just for the sake of pontificating, like how would you want to see um, live entertainment kind of be brought back? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how that's rolled out for sure. I mean, I think Dream State. You know, once uh, either there's a vaccine or, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know how the rest of uh, all this is going to shake out, but yeah. uh, kind of once it is safe to do so, and, and I think once people do feel safe to kind of put themselves in, a, in an enclosed populated uh, space, I mean, fingers crossed, everything goes back to normal, right? But of course, uh, yeah, yeah of course. It, it, it'll be interesting to see, right, um, on that note of, you know, maybe underselling uh, tickets or, uh, I don't know, if you, like it, it's tough. I think just, especially in a specifically in, in a, like a concert setting, general admission, just kind of floating around everywhere. Like, I don't necessarily know if there's a good way to ensure that everyone's six feet apart. Right. And yeah, even I mean, then as an artist, I mean, it, that almost, I don't know if that would take the air out of the room necessarily, but it would definitely feel weird. Yeah, because like having everyone packed in, you know what I mean? Because imagine that, like imagine, you know, trying to enforce like a six foot social distancing rule at a, at a general admission concert and being on stage and like grabbing, you know, like the microphone and just like being like, you know, what's up, Portland? And like you look out in the crowd and it's just like all of this, like, like just peppering of people in empty space. And everyone's like, yeah, we're super pumped for this. But like. You know, uh, I got to be six feet away from this guy and six feet away from this guy. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't really like, <laughs> there's no such thing as a mosh pit in that. Uh, I don't know. Right. Right. I, I think so this is, this is also unprecedented. It really is. And I think it's um, it really is. Yeah. And I, I, gonna, I truly hope I never hear that word after this is all over again. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I like know, every day it's like this is an unprecedented step we're taking. And it's like, man, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But uh. Uh, but the cool thing, though, is like I said, you you know the the uptick that that you know you guys are are, are seeing in, in Chief State is is a really good thing. I mean, you know you've you've released you know this this we'll call it EP you know to like tremendous acclaim, and uh, you know I'm sure that once this all you know starts to to dial down and you know tours start to get booked again, um you know I'm sure that you guys have you know some some awesome things on the horizon. But, you know, in the coming years, I know you said you, you kind of want to focus on on kind of, you know, getting getting all of America kind of kind of shaped out. But like, do you have any um, particular uh, like particular bands that you would want to go out on the road with, like even if they're like, you know, pipe dream far fetched or even if it's like something that's like real or even if you have buddies, like, do you have anyone that you'd uh, you'd want to go out with? um you know and kind of see the see the country with yeah absolutely i mean uh we we actually opened just like one show it was a one-off they flew in uh for the wonder years uh in september and like just meeting those guys they were just so chill and just being able to like it was cool to be able to see them like literally just like fly in drive straight from the airport play the show do their Mm -hmm. thing completely unfazed hang out a little bit afterwards and then they were literally on a flight out like 5 a.m the next morning like just a you know consummate professionals just great people and i'm one of my favorite bands of all times i'm sure you know the other guys would say the same thing um i mean we've all been digging the new uh four year strong record as well so uh me too uh, 
Yeah, for sure. Man, I feel like they get better with every release. It's nuts. Um, yeah, so I, I think those two bands would be uh, pretty up there for me, at least for a, for a, a Chief State opening set uh, on tour. <laughs> um, I don't know if you got a chance to to see it, but um, I, I, I want to say it was, was it SJC? I, I forget what drum company partnered with Four Year. Uh, to make like a a completely like yeah the NHL team. kit yeah yeah you yeah, saw yeah. that dude how yeah, cool is that, that man that's nuts yeah no those uh that company makes a lot of really cool kind of custom stuff for for everybody I, I think the the drummer of four years strong TV had like this uh like shark attack kit from a couple of years ago too it's just really cool stuff oh I wonder if that was for the the Worcester Sharks oh maybe that'd be pretty cool that probably makes sense that's where they're from. Hockey connection. There you go. Sweet. That's that's one of the things we always do. We're always trying to trying to seek out and forge all these hockey connections. And like some of the ones we find are just like just the the most ridiculous things. Like you know Russ and Goodridden's being a being like a legitimate scout. And like you know a lot of guys that we've talked to, it ends up they you know they they play in pee wee leagues. We've got a couple of guys that played like uh, in like junior leagues and stuff. And I mean like this. When we started this podcast, well, I should say, not me, really, you know, Mikey's brainchild, but it's just kind of like, let's explore the possibility of hockey and alternative music, because we know there's a connection. We know there's there's people that like it. But I mean, you know, we're, we're more than 50 episodes in, and I mean, we've still got like 100 more people that like want to like BS with us about this. And it's just like, it blows my mind. Like. I, I wish that we would have thought about this like 10 years ago, and, <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, like we would have like forged this, this, this connection, but it's cool. It really is cool. And and it's, it's awesome to see how, um, you know, these two worlds that, you know, Mikey and I really are, are have a big influence on us, um, collides and comes together. And it's awesome to, you know, to get to, to chat with like, you know, all, all different people, but, you know, uh, especially, you know, getting to, to kind of hammer this stuff out it really is so cool man absolutely funny story actually i think uh on that note one of my uh first kind of introductions that i can remember of like kind of punk music or pop punk music i was playing nhl 04 or 05 on the gamecube and just the soundtrack of that i think it had like fallout boy it had like i think there was midtown on there there's paramore just like a bunch of like kind of those early uh earlier 2000s bands and i just Mm -hmm. remember being like this soundtrack is fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it always comes back to like EA Sports and NHL. Like they they really did just have awesome soundtracks for our type of music. And you know, there really is just a, a huge connection. Uh, and especially like, you know, guys your age and maybe a, a couple of years older than you who that was their first exposure to it by playing those video games. Like by the time like EA Sports started using music that we were int- into, like we were already in high school. We were already like yeah, kind of bet. not playing video games as much, I guess you would say. So like, you know, when you're a 10-year-old kid and that's what you're listening to, like you're you're way more to be like influenced by that. Absolutely, yeah. So, you guys uh have the the dual vocal vocals going on now a little bit yeah a little i would say a good a good chunk um in in the pop punk scene there's a, a few bands that are doing it um 
like you know I, I think of like knuckle puck that has like the dual vocal vocals every once in a while um are there any bands that like influenced you and kind of led you into that direction of doing that uh yeah i'd say so i mean if we're really bringing it far like that far back like obviously blink 182 they kind of uh i i shouldn't say pioneered it because i'm sure there were like other bands that did kind of the two vocalist thing long before that but uh at least they definitely kind of brought that to the mainstream so i mean if we're if we're going far back you know they're definitely a band that has a a certain amount of influence on us um knuckle puck as well one of our favorite bands uh kind of when we started this i was really into uh man overboard as well um yeah just kind of you know they they definitely do it in a bit more of a unique way i think uh they focus a lot on kind of getting harmonies in there and stuff like that so uh, yeah i mean pretty much any kind of pop punk band with, with two vocalists i mean it's crazy obviously four years strong as well man yep. just uh yeah and they have like just stupid crazy guitar parts and they're singing and screaming over it all and i'm, I'm literally just like watching their uh like playthroughs that they're posting just in awe. yeah i'm just like yeah, i was watching them too, do you man. do that <laughs> they really are they're they're super they're super talented um i remember that like the first time like you know i i was exposed to like a um like a like a lead vocalist playing um like like a guitar leads was like uh the first time getting to see Coheed and Cambria play. And um man, just like watching like Claudio's hands, right? And then like trying to figure out how this dude is like melody aside, like you know, his voice is really unique, but like how he was rhythmically being able to sing these melodies and play the stuff he was playing. It's just like man, like how do you how do you do that man and like yeah and then I and then know. not only like and then like when you look at like a band like kohi too like love him or hate him like you know the guys are like are, are dead on like when, oh, whenever whenever you're live so it's like not only are you doing it but you're doing it so well where like it's almost like a cakewalk to you and it's like man how like i don't know it blows my mind but yeah you know going like the blink 182 thing uh you know like a band like alkaline trio uh, which is like, and I, I always talk like whenever I talk about like dual vocalists or different vocalists, I always like to talk about trio because they're so different. Like when, like I mean, and, and so are Mark and Tom are very different too. And I think like Alkaline has that kind of vibe as well, where like you know when you listen to Mark songs and you listen to Tom songs, I mean like it's it's not like four year because like they have similar kind of like inflections, you know, yeah, due, due to the two sure. vocalists, uh, but like. Mark and Tom, like, I mean, like, literally, like, if Mark sung a Tom song or Tom's sung a Mark song, I mean, you're talking about, like, completely different vibes, like, completely Absolutely, different. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's something cool. And I think that gives a, um, you know, it gives like a, a band a little bit of extra flair just because it's, you know, it's, it's almost like you're getting to listen to um, like two different bands, like really in one scope. So I, I always thought that was super cool. But uh, yeah, man, I, I love what you guys are doing, man. Um, you know, when, when Mikey had put me on to you guys, he was like, oh, you know, think like, you know, think like, you know, like knuckle puck and like state champs and like, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right. And then like I, I listened to it and it really blew me away. So I'm, I'm very, very thankful that he, he, you know, turned me on to you guys. And I'm super thankful that you came on to chat with us, man. Word. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. This has been so cool. All right. So I guess. We can wrap things up right now. Uh, I feel like that was a good transition point. But Nick, um, like once we get hockey back and, you know, as 
as this playoff run runs deeper, like we would definitely love to have you back on to, you know, talk some relevant current hockey. I know that like we're we're at a standstill right now and this kind of, you know, a little different, but uh just like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan of Chief State. I love what you guys are doing and uh I, I wish you all the best and please come back. Cheers, brother. Yeah, no, happy to be back anytime. Uh, if you ever end up doing that uh, Seattle Vancouver trip, hit me up. Uh, we'll uh, we can go to the game, grab a beer, do something. Uh, yeah, man, down down for whatever. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Cheers, man. All right, stay safe, guys. Thanks, man. You too. Be well. so cool man i always really enjoy you know talking to um oh of course man i like i enjoy doing this no matter who i'm talking to but it is you know a little bit more special to talk to um you know guys in in bands that are kind of um you know building their you know kind of building their brand and really starting to you know kind of get up from the ground floor and start to do big things and it's cool to have that perspective to you know, talk to someone who is, a, you know, relatively new in this industry and, you know, kind of learning the ropes in, in a time where, you know, I'm a little bit older and, you know, they're a little bit younger. And, uh, you know, it is very, very cool. Uh, it was such a cool, you know, cool perspective to to talk to Nick about, uh, um, you know, uh, about Chief State and, uh, you know, their record, uh, you know, Tough Love, which uh, they put out recently. Um, and, you know, it gets me to thinking, you know, they're kind of one of those bands. We talked about it a little bit, you know, in the in the intro and in the interview as well, but they're one of those bands that kind of does the, uh, the dual vocal flair, you know, so they've got not necessarily one lead singer. Uh, you know, they got different guys that are, uh, you know, that are doing that. And, you know, there's been a lot of bands that have, have done that over time and it gives a cool, fresh perspective because, you know, when you get two guys that sound a little bit different vocally, um, you know, it's almost like you're listening to two different bands, you know, in the same mold, which is kind of cool. So, you know, having said that, I guess we could chat a little bit about some of our favorite bands that do that. So, Mikey, if you want to start off, um, what do you think? You know, do you have any favorite bands that utilize that uh, that dual vocal uh, flair there? I do. So, 
first, I, I just want to touch on like when we we talked to Nick about that, like you know, you mentioned how they were younger than us, and mm-hmm. they still are influenced by Blink One Eighty Two and like them doing yeah. the dual vocals. And yep, to, like for me, I didn't even really consider that. I know you were a bigger Blink One Eighty Two fan than I was, and like yeah, I sure was. Yeah, and to me, I I just like especially for someone that's younger than us. Blink-182 was, like, putting out garbage music when when they were, you know, probably getting into Blink-182. Like, you know, we we were probably during their heyday. And, and mm-hmm. you know, everything after, what, like, 2000 was pretty much not, not their best, I guess, would you say? Yeah, I mean, with Blink-182, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, I, I would say that their um, self-titled album you know, the one that had songs like, you know, feeling this and I miss you and go, that was probably the, um, you know, the, the really where they reached their apex. And then I would say everything after that wasn't as great. Although I will say, um, California, uh, one of the records they put out recently, uh, which is actually the first to have, uh, Matt Skiba on vocals, you know, instead of Tom DeLong, uh, I thought was a great record. Uh, but you know, it, it kind of forces you to to go back into a, a band's back catalog, and you can't really just look at, you know, the first thing that pops up because obviously, you know, as a new Blink One Eighty Two listener, let's say in today's day, you know, you might never get back into records like you know Dude Ranch or Enema of the State or you know Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, which had you know some of their best material on them, unless you really go and dig. So it is cool to know that uh, you know those guys are digging back in that discography. Yeah, so then I guess to answer your question about the the dual vocals, um, I I like when the the two vocalists have very distinctly different voices. So like, yeah, sure. I I think about Just Surrender, and and I know I mentioned that in the interview. Like Just Surrender, their two vocalists have like such different voices, and I always mm-hmm. would go back and forth like which one I liked better, and like it it just was they were so different that it it just is what i always like always stuck out to me um sure you know and then there's bands that like for example four years strong that we both love and they do the mm-hmm. dual vocals but like i can't really tell who's singing at certain points like i it, it kind of their their voices are pretty similar they're a little they're a little similar so and i and i would agree with that and i, w- I would even bring up a band like uh, the menzingers you know for in- uh, you know for for instance who do have two different vocalists and their vocalists do have a you know a, a much a much different candor to their tone um but um you know they're they're one of those bands that i think do it very well you know just because the songwriting that they do their voices lend to you know each of the songs that that they're featured on but i you forget like really technically i mean under oath would be considered a dual vocal band i mean like oh yeah you know we're talking about now like instead of two two singing voices we're talking about someone that's screaming and someone that is singing and uh, you know we've had you know obviously under oath on the pod we've had a band like um like beloved for instance who who do the same thing you know their drummer uh beloved's drummer is their main screamer whereas their you know guitar player is their main uh you know singer so you get that as well um you you don't usually think of that because obviously you think of two completely different styles of singing but um you know, for singing vocalists, you know, I, I mentioned Alkaline Trio on, in the um, in the interview, which is one of my favorites. The Menzingers are great, too. Obviously, I love Four Years Strong. 
But, uh, you know, the post-hardcore bands, the difference between your singer and your screamer is usually a, a very cool thing. But, I mean, like, could you imagine, you know, what Under Oath would be like if, if uh, you know, if Aaron wasn't wasn't singing? I mean, I know they had that uh, that short break where, where Aaron wasn't in the band, but, I mean, like, the juxtaposition between the singing and the screaming is kind of what made Under Oath um, stand out, you know? So, like, imagine if that wasn't uh, something that was there. So, kind of cool to think about. Yeah, and a band that just came to mind was Emery. So, like, Emery mm-hmm. has, like, three vocalists. Yeah, they, they, they do. They, they do the dual vocals, and then their keyboardist is the one that does their screaming. And yeah, that that's a, a wild dynamic. And also, Emery, like, their, their two vocalists don't have, like, very distinctively di- different voices, but their harmonies mm-hmm. are so beautiful, especially, like, on, what was it, the um, the question? like deluxe yeah. edition that came out and they like remastered and like reimagined some of the, the hits from the week's end. Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, of a few, like the ponytail parade or what was it called? That song that they did that. Yeah, no, that that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Ponytail yeah. parade. Yeah. But also, I mean, think about this too. I mean, like, um, you know, we were just talking about them in our, our, uh, you know, our, our previous episode with, with Brian from from Envy, but the receiving end of Sirens, I mean, they had three usually three you know three vocalists going on at once, and you know when when they were together and when they were doing their harmonies and when they were doing their uh, you know their really layered stuff, like it sounds a lot the same. But I mean, like um, you know, Casey has a very different voice than than you know the other two vocalists in the band, and uh, um, but it's it's cool, you know. It just when you're when you're blessed with having such musically talented people that can all sing play their instruments and then can work together to create these beautiful harmonies i mean like it just kind of elevates your band because you bring a new element uh, a new musical element to you know what you can do and you know the receiving end of sirens the crazy thing about it is like you know you listen to records sometimes that have harmonies on them you know that you do in the studio and they're not really replicated or they're not replicated well uh, you know, when you see them live, but the receiving end of sirens, man, forget it, man. They were all on point with all their harmonies and stuff. As tall as lions, another band, you know, obviously you oh, have, yeah. uh, uh, you know, all, even, um, even, uh, cliff behind the kit would, would, you know, get on the mic and, and provide some harmonies and stuff. So it's like, you know, some of these bands are just doing great, beautiful things. And, you know, we get to, we just get to enjoy that next level of, of music. So it's super cool. Touche. Yeah. I, I would love to see state champs do more of the dual vocals because, you know, obviously Derek takes on most of the vocal duties, if not all of it, but like Ryan, their bassist has a great voice and like actually has his own solo stuff. And it'd be cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. It'd be cool if they, uh, you know, utilized him a little more to, to bring a little more like another level to state champs, a little maturity to like to kind of uh take them to that next level i guess sure absolutely um so uh one quick question and then we'll uh we'll close it out so i'm uh scrolling through my facebook feed and uh you know i see that your lovely wife uh you know started this love my husband challenge and uh i see a photograph here of uh mikey ryan in a preds jersey uh so i think uh, a lot of people would probably call that sacrilege so uh uh, Do you need an explain explanation? Yourself. All right. So explain yourself. When we went to Nashville 
um, I guess it's like three years ago now. Um, it was when the NHL first made the transition to using Fanatics. And mm. I was in the market for a new Islander jersey because the Islanders also released like a, a new uh, third jersey design. But I wasn't sure of like the sizing because like, okay. you know, they're switching from Adidas to then Fanatics and, uh, and then like also switching from Re- Reebok to um, Fanatics. So I wasn't sure of where like the Fanatics jerseys would fit into that. So I was like, all right, let's go to the Preds team store so I could try on like the new Fanatics jerseys. And basically okay. what it came down to is Fanatics jerseys are dog shit. And <laughs> I did not buy one because it was just so terrible. And yeah, so that's the explanation about that. I am not a Preds fan, even though <laughs> I did enjoy going to Nashville and watching a game there. Um, yeah, I, I really I, I feel indifferent towards them. You know, I, I don't have any bad blood or hatred for the pet Preds, but definitely not rocking Preds gear. But All that's right. funny. I didn't even see that she put that picture up. <laughs> yep, you, 